Uh, now, as we turn our attention, we're going we're gonna to pick up uh, in verse 2 here in Colossians 4, and we're, we're digging into this final chapter. It's only going to be a couple more studies. And remind you, here at Calvary Chapel, we study chapter by chapter, verse by verse, book by book. So when we finish the book of Colossians, we'll be moving on to First Thessalonians and continue right along. And we've already done Revelation, so when we get down there towards the end, we'll wrap it up, turn around, and, and head towards the other end of the Bible. Uh, but the Lord has been gracious in, in as we've studied here in the book of Colossians. Remember what's happening here. This is the applicational portion, the first couple of chapters, doctrinal, theologic. We, we realize we need to put off the old man, put on the new man. We need to get red carpet ready. And then as we do that, we apply that in our marriage, in our home, with our children, in the workplace. We take it out into the world. And so now, how do we have purpose and power. How do we get this done? Where do we turn? Who do we rely on if we're going to now take this incredible richness that we have in Christ and actually be useful in our world? And so the Apostle Paul, the Holy Spirit writing through him, God himself speaking through his word, turns our attention now to purpose and power. And to have it, you have to have a productive prayer life. If you want God's purposes in your life and you want God's power in your life, then you must have a productive prayer life. If you don't, you won't have the purpose and the power. You'll be, in your, you'll be on your own, so to speak. And so would you join me and now let's pray for our time in the Word. Father, we thank you that we have the power and the authority of your word at our disposal. And so now as we read it, would you make it alive to us? Would our minds receive it? Would our hearts bury it deeply? And Lord, would you instruct us as your church? Because we do want purpose in our lives. We do want power in our lives. And we recognize that comes from having a productive prayer life. And so, Lord, speak to us through your word, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Verse 2 here in Colossians 4, and notice what it says, continue earnestly in prayer. Now, notice he uses the word continue. That presumes upon the fact that you've already been doing it. Amen? You can't continue something if you've never done it. And so it is presumed that a person who loves the Lord, who is walking with the Lord, who is attentive to the things of God, is already praying. But continue in prayer earnestly. Be vigilant in it. In what? In prayer. If you want God's purpose and you want God's power, then you need to be vigilant continuously in prayer with thanksgiving. Meanwhile, also praying for us. And we'll see four chief things here this morning in our time together that apply to your prayer life if you want to have purpose and power. That God would open to us a door for the word. Very often I'll have people come to me and say, well, I really don't feel like I have any purpose. And I will ask them, have you prayed for God to give you purpose? They'll say, well, no, I've taken this class or I read this book, or I hung out with this person, or I talked to that, that individual that, that says they know how to give me purpose. Now, none of those things are inherently wrong. But if you want God's purpose in your life, then it might be a really good thing if you actually talk to him about it. 
If you want his power, then you might actually want to ask him for it. You see, very often we see these insufficiencies in our lives and we forget that he's actually given us the power and the authority to do something about it. But are we availing ourselves of what he's given us? Or are we trying to do it in our own strength? And so he goes on now and look how he concludes this portion of the chapter. He said, I want God to open a door for us, and I'm asking you to pray for that, to speak the mystery of Christ. You see, your life, in essence, is a mystery. You're, sitting, you're, you're listening to Pastor Jorge as he shares with you. He's a divorced man sitting in the, the fifth or sixth row in the front of Calvary Chapel, Fort Lauderdale, believing that his life from this point forward is as a divorced man. And what does God do through prayer but answer his prayer, and he's reconciled and remarried to his wife? That's a God thing, family. Amen? Amen? That's what God can do. I'm pretty sure he didn't have that plan in and of himself. But he prayed to that end, and God accomplished that purpose. God applied that power because his life was a witness to the mystery of what God was doing. He was a living letter. His life was a testimony. Something changed. Can I say to each one of you, you all have that opportunity. Every one of you, Scripture says, is a living epistle. That your life, in fact, is an open book to those who see you, know you, talk to you, meet with you. As you share what God has done in your life, you bear witness and give testimony to the power of Christ. You you see, he's asking us to do this so that his kingdom will grow. And he said, for which I am also in chains. Paul was not in prison because he stole something. Paul was not in prison because he broke some law of the Roman Empire beyond the fact that he was preaching Christ. He was in prison because he was preaching Christ. He was a living epistle. Everywhere he went, he couldn't be silenced. He had been so transformed himself that everything he did and everything he said bore witness to the fact that he was a new creation in Christ Jesus. And he offered his life, his wholeness, his body as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to the Lord. He said, Lord, here I am. Use me wherever I'm at. You let me be a living epistle. That I might make that manifest as I ought to speak. Can I tell you, some of the most valuable words you speak are the ones you don't. But it's the life you live. It's not necessarily even what you speak. It's how you live your life that is an open book for people to interpret. Where did that come from? How did that transformation happen? And then you can speak the words, that's my Jesus. I have something going on in my life. Let me tell you about him. I'm not who I used to be, praise God. I'm not what I'm going to be. I'm on a journey, and let me tell you how I'm going to get there. You see, every one of you has that opportunity. You see, very often people look and say, well, you know, preaching the gospel is the, the work of the church. No, it's the work of every believer. You have been called to go forth into all of the world and make disciples of all men. Not just the church, not just me, not just pastors, you. 
That may happen in your workplace. It may happen at home. It may happen on the beach. You might even be able to save somebody at Disneyland. Who knows? It's possible. Because of the power of God that's in you. Amen? Now notice what it says. Walk in wisdom towards those who are on the outside. Now why would he say that? Man, I don't want to cast my pearl before swine. You realize you're a, you're a walking Bible. As that living epistle, you need to be very careful because people on the outside are watching you. They're looking at your life and they're trying to figure out what it means to be a, a believer. What is a Christian really all about? What does Christ do in someone? Redeeming the time. That means to buy back. You only get, you know, roughly, what, 86,000 seconds or so every day. It's all you get. You can't keep them. You can't recycle them. Once you have them, they're gone. Redeem the time. Use them wisely. Because if you don't, they're gone forever. So every moment of every day is a God-sized opportunity for you to tell somebody about Jesus. But if you're going to do this, you need to be praying. Purposefully praying. And let your speech also always be with grace. Always with grace. Family of God, say it with me. Always with grace. Don't let God take a stripe because you can't speak with grace. Speak with grace. Grace in your heart, grace in your mind, grace in your words. And if you've got a default, default please to grace. It is grace that changes things. The law can only point the way. It's grace that changes the heart of man. Seasoned with salt. Now, I happen to love a nice kind of semi, it's, we're getting close to lunchtime, I can say it's kind of semi-fatty, nicely charred ribeye. But I need salt on that. Because salt doesn't make the ribeye have its flavor, salt enhances the flavor of the ribeye, right? You know what I'm saying. You wouldn't want to make a meal out of salt. You make the meal out of the ribeye. You see, you don't want people to believe that you're the meal. Christ is the one that we're trying to make sure everyone enjoys. Amen? Amen. But we want to be the salt that says, that's good. That's awesome. So when we get sprinkled on something, go, man, give me some more Jesus. Seasoned with salt. When they meet you, are you that kind of salty? Do you enhance the flavor of Christ in this world? Because that's all salt does. It enhances, right? It's not a flavor under itself. It just makes other things wonderful. Now, you salt-free people, I'm sorry. If you're on a salt-restricted diet, I apologize. That you may know how you ought to answer each one. And so four things, and let's look at them. The first of which, what are the secrets here? The first of them, look, your praying has to be faithful. 
Your praying has to be faithful, family of God. If you want these things in your life, you've got to be faithful in your prayer life. You see, too many people, it's like this. Lord, break their teeth out of their mouth. Thank you. Amen. <laughs> or God, you know I'm right. Why don't you convince them? Amen. <laughs> or Lord, if you just give me this, I'll be happy. Amen. We're not faithful in our praying. We're not asking God to do all the things God can do. We're asking him to confirm what we already think. Oops. We need to be faithful in our praying. Faithful in our praying means that we're faithful to his word and faithful to give him the final authority. It is not us getting our will done on this earth. It is us praying for his will to be done on this earth. Amen? We need to be faithful in our praying. You see, very often we're doing nothing more than trying to get God to agree with us. Faithful praying is faithfully asking God for Him to do what He alone can do. And you may need to do that for a while. You may need to knock on the door of heaven more than once. You might have to keep knocking on the door of heaven, maybe for your entire lifetime. Because you see, God really only has three answers. He answers in the affirmative sometimes. He just flat out says yes or does yes or causes something to come to pass that you have prayed for. Now it's what we would call a yes or an affirmative answer. God says yes, here it is. I'm answering your prayer, boom, done. God also answers no. He says, Jeff, you're foolish. Why would I do that? Why would I entertain that? The answer to that prayer is no. And frankly, I'm more thankful for the things that God said no to than the things he said yes to for the most of of the time. Because God has kept me from making poor decisions, doing wrong things. He said no when I've said, well, you know, Lord, I'm supposed to do it. No, you're not, Jeff. But there is a third answer, and it's really the only other option. It's wait. And oh, we hate wait. Amen? We don't like wait. Wait's one of those things. It's like, no, I'm not waiting. We can't wait. Now, now here's, here's me. I am that guy that when you go into Costco, I examine all of the lines. I can do this in three or four nanoseconds. And I look, and one has five, and one has six people, and one has four people. And I will even examine what's in their cart and go, the one with four is better than the one with three, because the one with four, they only have two things each, and I get in that line, and immediately that line will have the one person who has the item that's no longer in the store. (laughs) And God will say, Jeff, I'm teaching you patience. I go, I don't want patience, God. I just want to get out of Costco. (laughs) And he's, he's trying to help me to wait and to be patient so that he can use the time that he created for his purpose. When I don't wait on God, very often I pressure the situation and then God allows things to happen that were actually not his plan. They become his permissive will instead of his perfect will. Make sure that you're faithful in your prayer life and that you are willing to wait. If you want to be faithful, you must be willing to wait. A second thing, our praying needs to be watchful. You're not going to have purpose. You will not have power without a watchful prayer life. This principle comes from the book of Nehemiah. They they made their plan. Remember, Nehemiah was a smart guy. He he 
traveled around the city. He's on the donkey. He goes around. He checks out the wall. He says, look, everyone is going to build the part of the wall that's behind their own house. He used his brain. But then he said, let us set watch and pray. You see, he had the plan, but he didn't have all the pieces. If you want the pieces to go along with the plan, then you need to be watchful in your praying. In other words, pray with your eyes open. Some people, they're more worried about the position than they are the content of the prayer. Pray and be watchful about it. See what God is actually doing. See what he's blessing. Jesus uses the same phrase, by the way. Paul uses the same phrase several times. Real praying demands spiritual energy, and you need to watch and pray. Make sure that you're doing both. Keep your eyes open. Let the Lord speak to you through the circumstances. He does not always use circumstances, but he can use circumstances to speak to you. So watch and pray. A third thing. Your praying needs to be thankful. Man, aren't we good about asking God for stuff and then complaining when we don't get it? It's like, Lord, I want you to do this, 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 and this. And then he gives us two of the three things, and we're like, how come I didn't get the third one? What's wrong? Am I not good enough for you? We need to be thankful in our praying. Can I tell you, you're supposed to thank God even when he allows things to happen in your life you don't like? There is no exclusion in Scripture for us to be unthankful. There's not an an unthankful exclusion in there. Well, if God allows bad things to happen, you're supposed to get mad at him. We're supposed to be thankful no matter what he allows into our lives. It's one of the secrets to an effective prayer life. You must be thankful. You see, sometimes we ask God for all kinds of stuff, and then we never say thank you. You know, when you're a parent, you know exactly how this works. When you do nice things for your children, and they never thank you, the the nice thing list gets shorter, doesn't it? All of a sudden, it's just like, well, you know, maybe when you learn to be a little more thankful, we'll get back to that. But right now, no, I'm going to kind of, we're going to let that subside for a while. You're going to get what you've actually thanked me for, which is not much. Thankfulness is a part of the life of a believer. We need to thank God, even for the trials, even for the tribulation, for the difficulties. Because that's how God very often works in our lives to sand off the rough edges. We need to be thankful if we want power and purpose in our lives. A fourth thing. Our praying needs to be focused. We we are so used to everything being done so quickly that here's our prayer life. Lord, don't let me get killed on the way to work. God, bless all the orphans in the world. Lord, save everyone. We need to be focused. We need to actually pray about legitimate things that are the concern of our heart. General prayers are fine. I'm not saying that they're evil in any way, shape, or form, but focused prayers are more productive prayers. And so if you want answers to specifics in your life, you need to talk to God specifically. See, Lord, I really don't know what to do with this particular situation and this particular person. 
I'm not sure whether I should actually take this job or not. It's a better job, God. So could you sort through all the details and show me whether it is better for me? It's what you want. Not just, hey, it's more money. God bless it. Do you see the difference? Have you the intestinal fortitude to ask God to change your plans? If you're wrong. Anybody in here ever been wrong about something before? It's like El Salvador. Raise your hands. Yeah, of course we have. We've all made bad decisions. Has anyone in here ever asked God to, blame, to, to put his stamp of approval on a bad decision? I have. I've prayed, God, I want you to do this, this, and this. Then it happens and I prove myself to be wrong and I'm going, God, why'd you let me do that? Almost blame him for it. We need to be focused in prayer. You see, we were so focused on getting what we want that we were not focused on what he wants. We didn't ask the right question. We didn't pray the right prayer. Be focused in prayer. Laser focused, but broad in scope. Say, God, if I'm missing something, then change where I'm focused at. I'm focused on this little thing. You help me see the big thing. And if I'm only seeing the big thing, you help me see the little thing. Focus in prayer. That's why it's so important for us to to broaden our hearts and our minds. Robert Trench, who was an archbishop in in Ireland back in the 1800s, said this. He said, prayer is not not overcoming God's reluctance. It's laying hold of his willingness. God is willing, but he's willing to do his will. He wants to accomplish his purposes for you. And finally, as we wrap this up, I'm going to have Sarah and Lily and the team come back out. In a moment, we'll close in worship. But praying, praying takes tenacity, folks. You need to be, if you want purpose and you want power, you need to be tenacious. Now, let me tell you something. This may shock you a little bit. Tenacity will almost always bring you things that you're not thinking of. Because God very often answers our prayers in opposites. Let me tell you how. Let me explain this to you for just a second. You pray for patience. What does God do? He puts you in line at Costco. (laughs) Right? You see, you're praying for patience. You're going, God, just impart patience to me. And instead of giving you something that won't solve the problem, he gives you a problem that will solve the actual issue in your life. Opposites. Do you see it? You you ask God, I want to be more submissive to you, Lord. What does he do? He brings suffering into your life. He allows you to be in his place for a moment where you now are bearing the fruit of your own disobedience. And instead of submitting to him, you've been rebellious, and he allows you to see things from his perspective, and you learn submission. Well, it isn't exactly what I asked for, God, but he's doing what is best for you. We pray to be unselfish. What does he do? He sends you children. Children. 
And you have to deal with, I want this and I want that. And you're like, and God says, yeah, that's you, Jeff. (laughs) Amen? Just one of those ways. Think about it for a second, how God works in your life. You pray for victory. What does he do? He gives you massive defeat in some area of your life. Lord, I want victory. And so he breaks you in some area where you thought you were strong and you were trusting in your own flesh and flat as a pancake you go. You ask, don't ever do this by the way. Do not pray for humility because you know what's coming, right? You're going to get a beat down somewhere. You're praying for humility. So what does God do? You get humbled. You're on your face before Lord. You're, you're just like, I am an unclean man, God. In the midst of an unclean people, you see, you get humility by being humbled. That's not exactly what you ask for, but it's what you need. You pray for strength, he gives you weakness. You pray for a deep union with Christ, and he takes your family away. Why would he do that? Because you are trusting in your family and not him. If you want a purposeful and powerful life, it must be in prayer. And you have to be willing to submit to what God allows. And if you do, then you're going to have the purpose and you're going to have the power. You see, when we pray for love, what does God sometimes allow? Allows our heart to be broken. So submit to him and let him do what he needs to do and be that salt, that enhancement to this world so that when people meet you, you can say, oh, yeah, I remember praying for that. And when they start going through something, you you won't have the answer. Well, it's because God hates your guts. You'll be able to say, indeed, Romans 8, 28, it's at work right now, all things working together for the good, for those who love God and are the called according to his purposes. That's what's going on. You see, purpose and power come through prayer. Amen? Would you stand and let's pray. Father, we thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you that you're the one that gives us purpose in this life. You're also the one that gives us power to accomplish these great things, Lord, that you have planned for us. Would you make us people of prayer? Would we be utterly dependent upon you? Would we willingly submit to the changes you want to make in our lives? Lord, your incredible care for us and your goodness, Lord, we can count on and trust in. And we thank you, Lord, for the way that you have been at work in times past and are at work right now today and will be at work in our lives in the future. And God, we simply ask you to give us patience to run the race, to endure as good soldiers. Help us to be purposeful, Help us to be powerful. Help us to be prayerful. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.
Amen. God bless you. God bless you. See everybody back out tonight, our study in the book of Acts. Be safe on your way home. Go out there and be purposeful for the Lord. Amen? Amen. Let's worship.